0: When you get as old as I am, 103, (laughs) it's hard to hear sometimes. I am pleased to be able to start out Holy Week. Thank you, David. Uh, This is the most powerful week of the year because it reminds us of what Jesus went through and how important that is for all of our health spiritually and every other way you can think. Um, One of the brilliant things that Jesus did was he didn't use concepts and ideas and systems of thought to teach. He realized that the human soul was imaginal and so he taught with sayings with stories and allowed it to go enrich your life. I've reduced uh, this sermon (laughs) to this page and this if I was to if the three of us were to go at it would take Four or five days to explain to you. So I'm going to not do what Jesus did. I'm going to give you a concept that I've used with you before, in order to explain what's happening. Okay? Are you out there? Yes. All right, because this is this is this is important stuff. First of all, I want to evoke that. Uh, picture of how I believe the human soul operates. That you have a conscious self represented by me on the top level. And then down at the base of your being, there is an image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. So there is an image of God. C.G. Jung called that the self. I call it the and he said the self is really the God image in us. Okay. Now, when I gave you that a few months ago as a, as a, as a model to hang your experience and your uh, understand what you go through in this life on, I drew a little arrow that came down off the steps to the base And that's what happens when stuff outside you takes place. Your experience in the outer world gives you, it affects what's down here. And this image of God and you as a created person, whoever you are, as a woman or as a man, checks it out to see if it's important to you particularly. It sends a message back, a feedback program. Good figure. <laughs> up to your conscious self for you to figure out. And the problem is it comes in the form of an image. And it takes art. It's an artful thing to figure out what that message means for you in your daily life. Hello? All right. So I've just screwed up the children's sermon. (laughs) Because Michael said to the kids, all you have to do is accept Jesus. But that is difficult. Because this process always goes on. And it's demonstrated in... uh, Oh, boy. (laughs) It's demonstrated in um, the events of Palm Sunday. The first thing that happens in Palm Sunday is the triumphal entry. This is a picture Jesus on the back of a donkey bouncing along down into the Kidron Valley and then up towards the gates of uh, Jerusalem with people waving palm branches of all things. Now, every Hollywood picture you've ever seen has shown the triumphal entry of Cleopatra or Julius Caesar coming into a city with all their treasure that they've captured in the wars and all that stuff that's a triumphal entry Jesus must have looked silly to the Romans this guy bouncing along on a donkey going down a road but to the Pharisees and Sadducees and the leaders of the temple he evoked a very dangerous image Because in the Old Testament reads, your king will come riding on the back of a mule. And there he was. Step one. Now the next thing he does in that entrance, he goes into the temple and he cleanses it. He cleans it out with all the buyers and sellers. Now, they had their system set up because when you came in the holy days to, towards, to make a sacrifice in Jerusalem as a worthy Jew, and you traveled some for many, many miles, even hundreds and thousands of miles, to get there at Passover time, they would sell you ritually pure stuff. But Jesus doesn't agree with this business aspect of it, and he cleans house. He's saying to them, faith and religion, in the ultimate sense, is independent of this nonsense. He's declaring his independence of the old ways. Step two. And then, later, after he is confronted by the chief priests, And they quiz him on his authority. He goes out with his people and he goes by a fig tree and he curses the fig tree because it has no fruit on it. And it wasn't even time for the fig tree to be giving fruit. But the fig tree withers and the leaves fall off and the thing dies right there. What does that mean? It means either you grow or you perish. Those were all outer events. But the people who experienced them got stirrings deep within them about what this meant to them. And so for the next day or so, and you have to read another chapter or so, Jesus tells three stories to explain the inner meaning of what he did on the outside. And these are ways of sending the information back up to our consciousness. And it's like a horseshoe. The three steps, the entrance, the cleansing of the temple, and the cursing of the fig tree are our way down, outer events, and now he reverses and he says, the cursing of the fig tree is like the owner of a vineyard who has two sons. And he says to one son, would you please go and work in the vineyard today? And he says, oh, okay okay, dad, and he leaves the house and he says, to heck with that, I'm going to go party with my friends. I'm going to get on my bike and we're going to tool around, have a couple of beers and, okay? The other son says, no, I'm not going to do that, dad. He walks out and he says, you know, the old man's right, I should do it. And he goes and puts in a full, long, sweaty, hot day. Jesus, in that moment, curses the, the curse of the uh, fig tree. He reminds Israel of what Jeremiah said. If you don't produce fruit, the axe will be laid to the tree. And he's reminding us that we, this is the rootage of our being. And we are to produce fruit. The fruit is, obviously, our personality. And the gifts that we have to offer to the children of God. And everyone is a child of God. So the next thing he teaches... I should have been up here on that one. Sorry. (laughs) The next one he teaches is about a a man who owns a vineyard, but he rents it out to his stewards. They'll get paid for taking good care of the information, I mean, the, the, the vineyard. And he says to them, I'm going to go off and he says, I, I, I think I ought to send some servants there. But meanwhile, the stewards are doing pretty well, taking care of the vineyard, selling the grapes and making the wine. Things are going pretty well. And But he sends some more servants there to check on it and find out what's really going on. And they decide, hey, they'll go tell him and he'll come back and get us, so let's uh, get rid of them. And they kill him. Then he even sends his son To check out what's going on. And they destroy him. And finally he comes. And he says. Finally the the king. The vineyard owner comes himself. And says. Because you've been unfaithful. In what you do. And you did not follow my instructions. You're out of here. And there will be great. Wailing and gnashing of teeth. To where I'm sending you. And so here we are, lined up at the level of the cleansing of the temple. Jesus is saying, internally, we have to clean up our own act. We have to be true to the calling that we have been called. Hello? But Jesus just tells the story. He doesn't explain it and give you a model to hang on this on it because he's smarter than I am. He knows that the people who heard these things are going to work on them. They're going to think about what they meant. And they're going to connect with something in their life that will give them more life, because that's what this is all about. It's about having a genuine experience of being alive. And then the last one, which gets back to the royalness, of, uh, of the triumphal entry, the image of a, a great ruler, a great king entering into the city, into your life. He gives the image of a king who has a son who's getting married, and he invites all the neighboring tribes and kingdoms to come, and no one comes to this banquet. They don't. They refuse the invitations. So he sends his servants out and says, beat the bushes and bring everyone in here who you can find to celebrate my son's marriage. And so he does. And they come in. And he dresses them in fine clothes and gives jewels to them to sit at the table, the banquet table of his son and his bride. The royalness, if you do all this stuff, is a banquet around the king's table. But there's one who's sitting there in his old grubby clothes. He was more comfortable in them than taking the clothes that were offered. And so he is cast out into a place of gnashing and weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Now this was powerful stuff. For he's saying, you are a royal person. You have a heritage the same as me, whom you will call the Son of Man and the Son of God. The Son of of humanity, the son of the divine. He's speaking to all of us. So that our outer life is enriched by that which we do in our inner life. And that then brings life to all of the earth. Isn't that fun? Hello? Hello? Oh, you're bored. All right. <laughs> that, no, 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 no. What I'm, what I want to say, is that it's hard to preach about Palm Sunday, and not try to bootleg in uh, Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday, where the crucifixion takes place, or Easter. But in those moments, those days that I just explained those first few days in the city, Jesus did not know what was going to happen. But he went forward with his mission of who he was created to be. I have said to you that Jesus was the first fully individuated ego on earth. The first flower boomed of complete spiritual heritage that was com- Committed and engaged in explaining that and making our lives better and richer and therefore all the experience of being alive and being genuine as a person. That's it. It's that simple, but it's hard to live. It's an art form, okay? So you are all artists, and it does not end when you get ancient. You still have work to do. There are still things, and it begins when you're like that. So blessings on your journey, the journey we celebrate this week, because they're going to be tough times. So keep the faith, baby.